At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. What is going on, folks? Welcome back into the mix for another edition of the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Danny Burke, your host. You ready for some corn tonight? That's right, baby. We're taking it out to the cornfields in Iowa, the Field of Dreams game being featured by the Cubbies and the Reds tonight. Man, last year was incredible, right? I mean, you had two top teams, the Yankees, the White Sox, walk-off home run by Tim Anderson. And then this year, to follow that up, you get the Cubs and the Reds. Maybe not as a... Uh, Premier matchup is one would expect outside of those two teams, but hey, it's still going to be in a unique setting. It's still an awesome thing to do, very nostalgic and very emotional for a lot of people. One of the best movies of all time, arguably the best baseball movie of all time, if not the best. I mean, it's got to be 1A, 1B, but yeah, this will be fun tonight. Uh, The Cubbies, the away team, the Reds, the home team. And even though it isn't going to be the most attractive matchup, I think from a betting standpoint, it offers a lot of opportunities because of how different the setting is because of what the game means. And again, just everything surrounding it. I mean, 8,000 fans, not a lot. The field dimensions are different. The weather in Iowa, I don't know. We'll talk about it, folks. We got plenty of time to discuss it. But let me also tell you what we got teed up. For today's show, we'll talk about Roquan Smith and the Bears and that whole debacle going on. And we'll talk more Bears, we'll talk more baseball, and maybe even a little basketball in the second part of this episode. Kate Constable going to be joining the show. 
Yeah, we got a guest on today. She's a sports betting host and analyst for Bet US TV. She does a lot of excellent work with them and some other outlets, but Kate's a Chicago native herself. Uh, always in the loop with everything Chicago and sports betting-wise. So uh, we'll get Kate on the horn for the second part of this episode. Really excited to talk to her just about what she thinks for the Bears coming up this season. About what she thinks for any local college football and then a little bit of basketball. I know she's been crushing it with the WNBA. So we'll get her thoughts on that. And then if we have time, we'll squeeze in some Bulls action as well. So excited to talk with her in the second part of this episode. At Kate Constable, where you can follow her on Twitter. Alrighty, folks, let's jump into it, though, as we get things kicked off with that Field of Dreams game. Remember, the White Sox defeated the Yankees last year 9-8. Thrilling game, couldn't have ended in a better way or just had a better overall outcome for your first Field of Dreams game. It's going to be damn near impossible to live up to those expectations and that hype that we saw last year. But hey, maybe the Cubs and Reds can do it. They're sloppy enough and brutal enough to just make it that entertaining. So the Cubs are the away team. The Reds are the home team. At Bet Rivers, the Reds opened up minus 112. The Cubbies opened up minus 105. I'm a little bit shocked with that opener, if I'm being honest. I kind of figured at worst it would be a pick but that the Cubs would get the slight nod as the opening favorite. Now, right now, the line has moved a tad bit in favor of the Cubs, at least saying that the Reds at Bet Rivers have gone down to minus 110. The Cubs are still at minus 105. But I think the Cubs should have the slight nod here. And I say that because Drew Smiley's taken the bump for Chicago. And he got Nick Lodolo taking the bump for the Reds. Now, Drew Smiley hasn't been anything amazing. Don't get me wrong. But he's a veteran. He's had some good outings. And he did pretty well against Cincinnati this year. And this was at Cincinnati, a hitter's ballpark. And let's be honest, his Field of Dreams game could be a hitter's ballpark type of place, as we saw last year. But at Cincinnati earlier this season, he went 5.2 innings pitched, allowed four hits, three earned runs, and five strikeouts. The Cubbies won that game 7-4. It's coming off a good outing versus Miami at Wrigley when 6.2 innings pitched. Allowed five hits, shut them out, and the Cubbies ended up shutting them out entirely for nothing. So again, Smiley maybe having a little bit of confidence coming into this game. So he is 4-6 this year with a 3.97 ERA. His FIP is concerning. It's higher at 4.49. His Sierra is 4.21. His home run to fly ball ratio, again, in that little bit of a higher territory at 13%. His whip is fine at 1.29. The Reds versus lefties this year. They get the benefit hitting lefties at their home stadium, but overall their numbers against Southpaws go like this. They have an OPS of 715, a WOBA of 317, and then their weighted runs created plus is at 97. All right, well, let's investigate Nicoladolo. The Southpaw has only pitched 43 innings this year. Nine games started. Throughout that span, he's gone 3-3 three three with a 440 ERA. So his ERA is higher than Smiley's, and his FIP is identical at 4.49. His Sierra is 3.54, which is very, very peculiar because then you're like, all right, does this mean Lodolo can be trusted a little bit more so? And if maybe not, can he be trusted more so than Smiley? I wouldn't be one to say that because you look at his home run to fly ball ratio, ladies and gentlemen. It's at 18%. That's way too high. 
along with his walks per nine innings, it's over four. It's at 4.2. And once you cross that threshold of four, that's when I don't really want to back you. And look at his whip, 1.58. Now, the home run to fly ball ratio, even if you have a somewhat decent Sierra, somewhat decent FIP, which Lodolo doesn't have a decent FIP, but the point is like in this specific setting, if you have a a high home run to fly ball ratio, you're going to be vulnerable to giving up a ton of them because of the shorter dimensions. It's 335 down both of the lines, 335 feet. To the alleys, it's 380. And then dead center, it's 400. So it's not like it's the shortest field of all time, but you saw a plethora of runs come throughout last year and you know, with two struggling pitchers, and just because of how special this game is, you could maybe see this be occurring again. And because of Lodolo having a high home run to fly ball ratio, I think he's absolutely susceptible to giving up a couple of home runs. Now, if you look at his home and road splits, and, and this is a little different because it's, again, a unique setting. You don't want to take it too much into account because for both pitchers, you're on the road. Smiley's home and road splits weren't too crazy, but... Lodolo on the road is a lot different than how he is pitched at home. Granted, he has only pitched 11 innings away from his home ballpark. In three road starts, he has given up 11 earned runs, though. That has brought him to a FIP of 8-0-1. Awful. Worse than awful. Terrible. Smaller sample size, though. How much can he take that into account? I feel like he could take it into account a little bit. I mean, you've got three games to look at and you know this ballpark's going to be a little tougher on you especially because again you're vulnerable to giving up home runs so yeah I'm not saying that his FIP is going to be 801 here and that's what it should be but you should definitely consider that and realize that this isn't a pitcher who can be trusted himself I like Smiley a little bit more so than I do Lodolo and by the way, the Cubs against lefties this year overall, 695 OPS, 304 Woba, and a 92 weighted runs created plus. So their numbers are worse than the Reds. But again, maybe they'll get the benefit of having a shorter field dimension like you'd see at Wrigley Field almost. Maybe you look at the first five angle with Smiley here. The Cubs were even money at Bet Rivers, and now they're getting a little bit of steam their way for the first five money line. I don't know. I, I just don't see why there would be a little bit more hope for Lodolo as opposed to Smiley. I think the Cubs have a better roster at this point. Suzuki, Morel, Contreras, Hap, Franmil Reyes coming about in the Cubbies uniform. You love to see it. And yeah, I mean, you know, if Wisdom can get a hold of one, he's always due for a good performance if he can get in a good dimension at a ballpark, and this is certainly one of them. The Reds, I mean, yeah, you got Jonathan India, who's a young up-and-comer, pardon me, who's done very well. Kyle Farmer's a strong bat. You know, Joey Votto's always going to torture the Cubs. But overall, I think the Cubs are a little deeper. I give the slight advantage in the starting pitching to Drew Smiley. And the bullpens, folks, the Reds have the highest bullpen ERA in Major League Baseball at 507. The Cubbies are at 405. Whip-wise, the Reds are at 144, and the Cubs are at 131. I see advantages for the Cubbies here. I would have made them like a minus 115, minus 120 favorite at the opener and put the Reds at like minus 105. Again, I, I don't know if that means I want to bet it, though. 
as much as I give the advantage to the Cubs here, because of how unique the situation is, I just don't know if you can trust as stable as, of sample sizes as you would think. That's what concerns me a little bit. And it's just like it would be so Cubs to lose this game in a certain fashion, but simultaneously you could say the same thing for the Reds if you're a Reds fan. So it's tough, but yeah, I, I would look toward the Cubs either first five or full game. If you don't want to trust the Cubs' bullpen, you think that their offense being Cincinnati's could come alive at some point because there could be a lot of runs, then maybe you look first five. But if you think, hey, the Reds have the worst bullpen in Major League Baseball, maybe the Cubs get off to a slow start, they will figure it out. Look at them on the money line. I might dabble on one of the others. I don't know. What the safer bet may be, if you haven't kind of guessed where I'm going to with this, is the total going over nine. This total open eight and a half, and now it's moved up to nine at pretty much every spot. I've seen some out in Las Vegas go up to nine and a half. I was talking with our guy Greg Peterson, hosts a great MLB podcast, and he was asking me about this game last night, and I was like, what's that total at? He's like, well, it opened eight and a half, just like I was saying, and it's creeped up to nine with some juice uh, to the under at that point. Now it's kind of flipped. It's gone to the over. And I'm like, man, I, I just don't know how you'd bet the under in this game. Incredibly small sample size. 9-8 last year, but you saw how much the ball was flying out of the stadium. You realize that Drew Smiley and Nick Lodolo are not top-tier pitchers. We just went over all of their underlying statistics that will show you they could be vulnerable to giving up a handful of runs. I think the play here, if you're undecided on a side, you're not quite there with your conviction on a team such as myself, I think the right move here is to play the total over nine. And that's what I ended up doing. Just hoping it's going to be a sloppy game that features a lot of runs, a lot of balls that are flying over the fence. That's what I'm banking on and looking to enjoy in the Field of Dreams game. So count me in for the total over nine tonight for the Cubbies and the Reds. With a slight lean, like we said, to Chicago. But uh, not sure if I can fully put my faith in them. But I'm hoping there can be a lot of runs. So total over nine is my official play for this game tonight. By the way, I think it's interesting to look at some props this evening. I mean, think about, like, the main guys in this game, right? Like, your franchise players. This almost seems like it would mean more to them. You, you looked last year at the game, like Aaron Judge, Tim Anderson had some of the biggest hits in that game. Those are the face of your teams. In a game that showcased like this, in this special environment, you would think that those guys would thrive once again. Maybe like a Joey Votto. He talked about how this movie's special to him and makes him think of his late dad who passed away in 2008. Wilson Contreras, face of the Cubs. Ian Happ, fantastic hitter in the side-by-side -side to Contreras, face of the Cubs right now. Those are the guys you kind of expect to shine in this setting. Contreras over one and a half bases is plus 108. Happ's not listed right now. At Bet Rivers, at least. Uh, Joey Votto's plus 125. He's not the biggest power hitter, but hey, again, maybe this field and its dimensions could help out. Suzuki, by the way, is plus 115. I could see Suzuki going yard easily. But yeah, consider some of those props. I would definitely want to get in on half because half is just a doubles machine. And he thrives against the Reds, but that hasn't been posted yet. So we'll see if it happens. I'll talk about it a little bit on Rush Hour tonight. Contreras over one and a half, don't hate it. Not the best value at plus 108, but that's because it's expected that he's probably going to do something heroic tonight. All right, before we move off the Cubs, one more comment I want to make, and then we'll talk a little bit of Bears here. So I just saw before I was recording, 
Thursday morning, about 10 a.m., Tom Ricketts told Jesse Rogers over at ESPN that the way the Cubs have played this season is, and then in quotes, not the type of baseball Cubs fans deserve, end quote, and that the team plans, and then quote again, to be very active, end quote, in free agency this offseason. Uh, how's that make you feel? I, I I don't know. I feel like you just get the same spiel every single offseason. Not every single offseason, but it's more so that you're getting the same spiel as last year. I guess they weren't like, hey, we're going to be very active in free agency. I guess that wasn't really the outline, clearly. They were pretty content with who they had and the small amount of guys they acquired. But to But to them, what does being very active in free agency look like? Because to Cubs fans, seeing what other teams are doing, active in free agency is acquiring guys like how the Phillies did this offseason. Is acquiring guys like how the Padres did at the trade deadline. I get that's not free agency, but you understand my point. The Cubs are expecting big-name people with how valuable this franchise is and what kind of history they have and what devotion and passion your fans have every single night. Folks are selling out Wrigley Field and this team stinks. Give the fans what they deserve like you are talking about. You have to be very active. This rebuild, look, it's going to at least, at least take five years to be competitive if you are doing a full rebuild because you don't have the farm system you had when when Jed and uh, Theo were here. That's evident. I know you've built it up somewhat compared to how it was depleted when you were on your run. But the guys you've gotten from getting rid of Rizzo, Baez, uh, Chris Bryant, it's just, it's not his top tier talent. That's clear. That's evident. It doesn't mean they're going to be bad, but it's just, I don't think the expectations will be as high with that group. So the point is, if you want to be competitive, you got to buy your way there at this point. And you can afford to do that. So yeah, you better be very active in free agency this offseason. That's the expectation. That's where the precedent has been set from what you have done in the past and what other teams are doing right now. The Yankees, man, they're not really a team that builds throughout their farm system. I mean, they have great players that have come up there. Don't get me wrong, but seldom are they a team that does a full rebuild. The Red Sox, man, they're always kind of trying to get guys there to stay right above that bubble. I mean, look at the St. Louis Cardinals. They're just always competitive. They're they're an outlier because they're just incredible by doing that. But you understand my point. It's going to take too long. And I don't think you'll still, despite going through that long path, I don't think it will be enough to get you where you expect to be with that farm system. I'm not an expert. I'm not a scout. It just has the feeling that you're not on the right appropriate path such as you were beginning in 2012, right? I don't think that five-year plan is going to be the same. And it's really hard to do that in the first place. It's not just like, okay, you do this for this amount of years, you're good. No, no. It's an incredibly tough journey. Can you cut corners by being active in free agency? In a sense, yeah. It doesn't mean you're automatically going to be good, but at least it shows you're trying. At least it shows that your attention and focus is devoted to this organization. 
That's what you need to do, and you're right. That's what Cubs fans deserve. They are showing out every night. You better be active in free agency. You can be, so do it. So let's hope they do. We got plenty of time till we see it, but hey, I mean, you know us Cubs fans are going to show out regardless, but yeah, give us Cubs fans what we deserve, and that's talent, and that's effort, and that's putting a great starting lineup out there every single night. Speaking of starting lineups, will Roquan Smith be featured in the Bears starting lineup when week one comes about? I don't know. It's not looking great. The latest news with Roquan Smith yesterday came out that the Bears removed him from the physically unable to perform list, which is the pup list. So this is big because now that they have removed him from the pup list, the Bears are able to find Smith $40,000 per day if he skips practice. So that's the difference. If he was on the pup list, they're, because the NFL teams are mandated by the collective bargaining agreement to pay players their full salary while on the pup list, but now that he is off because he is he passes physical, he's healthy, now they can fine him. So, so it's just a stalemate right now, right? They're button heads. Ryan Pohl's going, all right, you're going to make that statement and kind of throw me under the bus? All right, you're clearly healthy to perform, so I'm taking you off this list, making you decide if you want to get fined $40,000 per day or not. Is that going to be good for the relationship? Uh, I don't know. Uh, You'd probably think no. Is that going to be good in the sense of speeding up this process? Potentially. Potentially it will. The reports were coming out on Twitter today that originally he was not showing up at Hallis Hall. And then like 20 minutes later, then things switched up. Then apparently now Roquan Smith is there, not practicing, just walking along the side. So take that as you will. The thing about Roquan as of this moment, should they pay him? Yes. But apparently, and Adam Schefter I think was saying this to the guys on ESPN Radio in Chicago, they were saying that it was a pretty attractive contract. Like it was a really good offer. And that if the Bears are looking to trade him, Like, the market's not that big for him right now. Like, you're not going to get a first-round pick, basically, is what the sentiment was. So that's just terrible on all fronts. So I don't know what's happening with Roquan from his perspective. Someone's saying something in his ear. Maybe he doesn't like how the semantics are throughout the contract. Clearly, I mean, he kind of said that with the de-escalators and whatnot. I don't even know really what that consists of, but... I mean, who do you trust at this point? Roquan Smith or Ryan Poles? If I'm going to be honest, you kind of got to give the nod to Ryan Poles. I mean, players have the leverage based on the fact that they're actually out there and they can just say whatever they want, and he was the first one to say it. But, you know, Ryan Poles has a lot of pressure in his first year as GM. He's not trying to do anything crazy. He doesn't want to show a weak hand in his first year bending the knee to Roquan Smith. And I don't think he has, clearly. And even if he did sign him, I don't think that would be the thought process from any Bears fans, from other owners, GMs in the league, maybe. I don't know. It's tough now. I mean, the thing that stinks is if they do end up trading him and you don't get anything that valuable in return. Because at best, you replace him with a guy who can replace Roquan Smith and then you don't have to pay him that much for a few years but it's like is that just going to be your repeated cycle you're going to have to pay someone at some point and again Paul's clearly saying that he tried to and Schefter and other people saying yeah the contract was 
very solid in favor of Roquan. It seemed agreeable. It seemed feasible. But Roquan thought otherwise. Now with this pup list debacle, does that tarnish it even more? We'll have to wait and see. All right, folks. Uh, by the way, on Tuesday, in case you missed it, we did have a play in NFL preseason. I talked about them last night on Rush Hour, actually, too. I had a couple of them, but uh, we'll probably talk about it more tomorrow. But uh, this Bears game against the Chiefs in preseason is a play that I made. We talked about this on Tuesday on the City Cast. The line is now up to, let's see if it moved anymore. Nope, still at three and a half. But it opened up two and a half in favor of the Bears, now up to three in the hook. At Bet Rivers, the Bears are minus 177, and the total is at 34 and a half. I bet the Bears at minus 165. Did a little bit of shopping here in Illinois and didn't want to lay the three in the hook. And I like the Bears to win this game. You got a new coaching staff, a brand new coaching staff, who is going to treat this like a real game, as they should. You're at home. You want to showcase what you got, make a good impression right away. The first-team guys are going to be playing more than the Chiefs' first-team guys if the Chiefs' first-team guys are playing at all, and you have a lot of guys competing for spots. This game means nothing to the Chiefs. It means nothing to Andy Reid. It means nothing to Patrick Mahomes. Does it mean something to the Bears and their franchise? Yeah, it does. Sadly enough, it does. But that's what happens when you get a new coach and you have a young quarterback who needs to learn a new system. You need to get those reps. So the line movement went to the Bears. I completely agree with it. Does that mean I want to lay over a field goal with them? Not necessarily. But that's why I'll lay a pretty penny at the price of minus 165 and go with the Bears on the money line. So that's kind of the uh, TLDR in terms of why I bet the Bears. But if you want more coverage on that, check out last night's episode of Rush Hour. Talked about the Bears over the Chiefs. And then another game that we also liked, but that was betting a total. But we'll talk about it maybe a little bit more so tomorrow. We'll see how busy of a day it is in Chicago news uh, sports cycle, I guess you could say. All righty, folks. Let's take a quick break here. Excited for our next guest, Kate Constable. She's going to be hopping on. We're going to go all over the sports betting sphere here in the Chicagoland area. A little bit of basketball and plenty of football. So stick around. You won't want to miss it. Bet Rivers has your bases covered with early week betting fun. Your baseball bet gets a little extra pop at Bet Rivers Sportsbook every Tuesday. Just log into Bet Rivers and receive a 20% profit boost on a baseball bet every single Tuesday during the entire regular season. You can use it on straight bets, player props, or a same game parlay. You decide. Log on to the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com and get your 20% profit boost today. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. Okay, welcome back into the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. You know me, your host, Danny Burke. We are lucky to welcome on another guest here on the program. She lives also here in the Chicagoland area from the Midwest. You've probably seen her work on Twitter. She's been crushing it in the WNBA and pretty much every other sport as of late. And that's Kate Constable, who you can follow on Twitter at Kate Constable. You can catch her as a sports betting host and analyst at BetUSTV, among many other outlets. Kate, thank you for making some time today. How are we doing? 
Yeah, thank you so much for having me. We're doing good. It's nice to talk to a um, fellow Chicagoan. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, you and I were kind of joking before we got started here. Uh, you've kind of adopted the Bears as your favorite team throughout the National Football League. And I apologized on behalf of just all Bears fans because I, you know, was kind of forced to grow up with it. And look, I love being a Bears fan, but there hasn't been anything uh, too great to really brag about since I've been a fan. I mean, the trip to the Super Bowl in 06 was the highlight, but man, I mean, you know, they draft Justin Fields as their quarterback. You get hype around that. Obviously, the coaching staff is a disaster. You hire Eber and company. What were your thoughts from really last year transitioning into this season? We see their win total at about six and a half. A lot of people are saying they could be one of the worst teams in the NFL. How do you envision this upcoming season going for the Bears? I think it's going to be a very rough season for the Bears and Bears fans. It's it's not going to be pretty. You talk about their win total at six and a half. I think you stay under that uh, for sure, just based on the talent that they have surrounding Justin Fields. And then also just new management, a new system that takes a lot of time to transition and kind of get rid of the old past mistakes and failures that this Bears organization has had over the years. Uh, and to really adopt, you know, new um, strategies or, or just new environment going forward, that's going to take some time. So I don't expect a very, a very strong season for the Bears this year. Yeah, and, and look, that's completely understood. And I think every Bears fan really expects that same trajectory in the sense that the playoffs aren't an expectation. Getting the seven and eight wins, highly unlikely. I think the biggest thing for them is to at least get some confidence in Justin Fields progressing and taking that step forward and at least seeing somewhat of a competent offense. I think that would make Bears fans content, especially knowing all the cap space that can be available into the upcoming year. So that's kind of really the path that you want to see the bears get on as of this moment. But Kate, when you look a little bit deeper into the bears, Roquan Smith has all his issues right now, right? I mean, they took him off the pup list. Apparently he showed up at practice today and uh, he's trying to avoid that fine. What do you think ends up happening with Roquan? Do they get the deal done? Is it worth keeping him there? Do they maybe trade him away? Yeah. It's really interesting seeing him come off the pup list yesterday because you think that, means one of two things either they're going to come to an agreement on a contract and they're going to keep him on the roster or they're going to trade him uh and and i think they try and find a way to keep him on this roster and, and come to an agreement with his contract the, the fact that he's still showing up to practice even though he's not you know putting pads on he's still showing up to meetings that that's something that he still wants to be there and as long as he's still somewhat invested in the bears and, and isn't fully um you know out the door i think I think you try and find a way to keep him around and, and come to a contract agreement. And I know he's coming up to the end of his rookie deal, but he's somewhat of a veteran on this Chicago team. And he's someone in the locker room that, that players look up to. And when you have a new team and a new, you know, coaching staff, those are players you want around just to kind of bring camaraderie and, and some structure to your locker room. So I hope they try and figure out a way to, uh, come to an agreement on a contract with him. Yeah, I'm with you. They need to. I think at best you try to replace him with someone who eventually gets to the level where he's at. But uh, we know the Bears in the past haven't done the right things, but maybe the uh, new regime can kind of switch that around. Now, Kate, when you're looking at the full scope of the NFC North, um, 
look, the Packers could be in kind of a tougher spot, new receivers, new relationships needing to be developed. But at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are still the Packers. But what I think could happen here is you see a new team on top, that being the Minnesota Vikings. I love what this team has done in terms of getting their new coaching staff in there with O'Connell offensive oriented. You still have a ton of offense present with that squad. As long as you can kind of, of course, close out those close games and then get a somewhat just reliable defense that doesn't kill you. I like Minnesota this year. I bet them over eight and a half wins. I didn't bet them to win the North. They are at plus 270. But, man, I, I think you could get a lot of expectations up north out of Minnesota. I don't disagree with you there. I grew up in Minnesota, and I'm not a Vikings fan. They, they weren't a big staple in my household growing up. Never been to a Vikings game. But I paid attention to them over the years. And one thing I've, I've learned uh, just living in Minnesota is not to get too high in the Vikings ever. But this is the first season where it seems like fans uh, have a lot to look forward to. And maybe the Vikings are going to be contenders for the AFC North. Um, especially with a new head coach and an offensive minded head coach at that, maybe, you know, developing some new schemes offensively for Kirk Cousins to really thrive. But until I see it uh, through and consistently throughout the season, I can't get too high on the Vikings. Now, in terms of their win total and actually finding value from a betting perspective, I would agree with you. I think the over is the way to go here. I just, I don't want to get uh, too high on Minnesota quite yet without you know, seeing some consistency from them. Rightfully so. I think it's kind of uh, Minnesota and Chicago fans have that same sentiment yep. where you're inevitably going to be pessimistic until you actually see it unfold sure. in front of your eyes. But uh, yeah, NFC North a little bit more interesting this year with potentially more competition with the Vikings being better and uh, the Lions can be more competitive as well. So we'll just have to wait and see, but should be a lot of fun throughout the NFC North this year as we do have Kate Constable with us here on the Chicago City Cast. At Kate Constable is where you can follow follow her on Twitter. Now, Kate, uh, you and I uh, button heads a little bit in terms of college football. So you went to the University of Iowa. I went to the University of Nebraska, and we have that kind of uh, forced rivalry by location and just playing at the end of the year. And man, I mean, I was just one of those teams. I, I kind of compared them to the St. Louis Cardinals the other day. And the St. Louis Cardinals, no matter what year it is, they always seem to find a way to be competitive at the end of their respective season. I feel like it's the same case with Iowa. It doesn't matter who their quarterback is. doesn't matter who they lose. They plug and play guys, and they're just always competitive every single season. Uh, their win total is at about seven and a half. How do you think they do this year? I mean, Petrus obviously is a questionable quarterback, but again, everywhere else, they always seem to be dominant. They do, and especially on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, that is Iowa's MO is, you know, defense in their run game. So with Petrus as their quarterback, he's solid, but I don't think he can take over games. He's not someone that's really going to wow you offensively or be a massive threat. So from that aspect, I, I think we're looking at another maybe game or two above 500 season. I don't think uh, – I was going to have the same success that they did in the last couple of years. I mean, I think they'll make a bowl game, but I would tend to, to lean towards their under actually, especially because I mean, I hate to say it, but I do expect Nebraska to take a step forward this year uh, after all the close games they played last year, kind of finally getting over the hump in some of those games this year and being competitive 
against Iowa in the final game of the season. So if you look at Iowa's schedule, then, I mean, I think they, they have a loss against Michigan, Ohio state, Wisconsin might be a toss up and then Nebraska is a toss up. So uh, there's four losses right there. So I'm not sure you get over that, that seven and a half win total when you're looking at, you know, the, the tough schedule that they have. Look at that. How about it? You know, your own school and you're taking the under, that's how you know, know. you can trust someone, right? <laughs> if you're objective with your own squad and usually I'm the same way with Nebraska, but you're right. I agree. I mean, this is their year to finally take that step forward. And I know it's the conversation every season, but you know, if they can't get it done, Frost is going to get the boot and yeah. they finally brought in some adults to the room. They got a new quarterback in Casey Thompson, who we can hope as Nebraska uh, fans on my side of things could be better than Adrian Martinez, but, you, but you're right. I, I'm kind of with you on Iowa. I think I would lean toward the under just because of the tougher schedule. And Petrus has not really proven that he can take over a game himself. He's kind of reliant on the rest of the squad. So uh, I hear you. I like that angle for both teams. Is there any other interest in the big 10, whether it's throughout the West or the East division of a team that you're, you know, maybe seen as a dark horse or just some kind of bet you like, of course, Ohio state's the presumed favorite, but uh, any other angle you're maybe looking to approach throughout the big 10. Yeah. You know, I have my eye on Minnesota this year. And I mean, I guess going back to my home state, but um, not a huge gopher fan either being I, you know, went to Iowa, but I think they're going to have a decent year this year. They have Tanner Morgan back at quarterback. They have Muhammad um, Ibrahim back at running back after being injured in the first game last year against Ohio state. And, and he was set to be, you know, a huge part of their offense last year that I think having him back will definitely make a, a difference this year, a wide receiver, Chris autumn bell, he should be fantastic. And their defense was decent last year. And I think that can definitely carry over um, to this season too. So PJ Fleck, you know, always brings the energy, gets his guys to buy in. And, and I think um, this is a team that I would look to take their over their win total, which I, I believe it's seven, seven and a half, depending on where you look. All right, Kay Constable looking into some Big Ten action. She has got you covered all throughout it. And remember, you can follow her on Twitter to get more of that coverage at Kay Constable on the tweets. And she's also hosting for Bet US TV. And I know with that program and the others that you do, Kate, you've been doing excellent work in terms of WNBA. Uh, it's becoming more and more popular in terms of the betting sphere, I feel like, because there's a lot of good opportunities to capitalize it, it seems. And personally, I'm a novice with it, and I need to really spend some time and kind of get those betting opportunities down myself. I think next summer is really when I'm going to try to start to hammer it. But, you know, what are some... I guess, or maybe what are some pieces of advice you offer to people when it comes to WNBA? Is there that much of a difference in terms of betting the NBA or is it pretty much the same strategy and process? Just of course, different leagues. Yeah. Similar process and strategy. It did take me, you know, half the season to really feel like I had a good grasp over the WNBA because this is my first season capping. Uh, that league. And so to understand, you know, the players and the personnel and how teams operate, that was a challenge, just learning, you know, new league. But I would say the biggest thing for the WNBA is looking at travel spots and rest spots. You know, that's something that I pay attention to a ton in the NBA when handicapping those games, but this is different in the WNBA because they don't travel private. So, you know, the other night, the, the Sparks had to sleep in the airport because, 
their flight got canceled and hotels were full. So they had a number of players sleeping in the airport. And those are things you look at. So I, I faded them in the first half coming in out of their next game. And that would that bet hit. So things like that, just little tweaks here and there. Um, I would also say coaching matters a lot more in the WNBA. I mean, the NBA is such a star driven mm-hmm. league and not as much in the WNBA. So you look at the Las Vegas aces who are coached by Becky Hammond. I mean, they're fantastic this year. They sit in second place right now. Um, James Wade coach of the Chicago sky. He has a um, proven track record winning a championship last year. So coaching and then schedule and rest spots are two things that I look heavily and depend heavily on when capping the WNBA. Yeah, Kate, you mentioned the Chicago Sky, and again, I, I'm a little bit uh, distant from the WNBA, but it, it seemed like the expectations for the Sky, yes, you're coming as the champions from last season, but it didn't seem like there was a lot of sentiment that they would be the favorites to repeat, and correct me if I'm wrong on that, but you know, this year they've been playing really outstanding, and they're the short shots right now at a lot of books at about plus 180 along with the Aces. That's where it's at, at Bet Rivers. Uh, so the Sky at plus 180, is it maybe worth the players one of those things where hey you kind of missed the value on it uh, you might as well just take it game by game at that point no i i still think there's some value there coming into this season people did not expect them to be where they are right now being they won last year but in reality candace parker came out and said this early in the season is last year was the year that they weren't necessarily supposed to win and within the organization, players and coaches that this was going to be their season. So this season's kind of playing out the way their organization thought and not necessarily the way the public thought. Um, huge game tonight between this guy and the Aces, who are the one and two seeds. So uh, this game will determine who gets that number one seed if Vegas is able to jump Chicago. But I think there's value on taking either of those two teams I think this is a finals preview and uh, it's kind of a toss up between whether Vegas or Chicago um, can win the title this year. Did you get any action down for tonight's game? It looks like the aces are a slight favorite minus one and a half money line for the aces minus a buck 21 high total here. One seventy six and a half. anything worth playing as of this moment. I would play the under in this one. I think this is going to be a playoff atmosphere type game. You look at back at their uh, previous three meetings this season, two of those meetings have gone over this total, but in one of them, they shot 60% from the field and 50% from three. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen again, just based on the implications of this game. I think we get a much uh, more defensive battle tonight. And then the other game that went over only went over by a point and tons of turnovers in that game. So a lot of extra offensive possessions. So based on those, those reasonings, I think, I think tonight's going to be a gritty defensive battle. That'll be a preview for what's to come in the playoffs. Okay. Okay. I like it. All right, Kate. Well, I want to talk a little bit of NBA as well. I know we still got some time before the season begins, but uh, as you know, the NBA is always filled with drama. doesn't matter what time (laughs) of the year it is. And the biggest part of that drama has been surrounding Kevin Durant. And now he's going to the owner saying, Hey, you got, got to get rid of the GM and the coach Nash and Marks. And then I'll stay. And if not, well, make sure you trade me. Have you been following this pretty closely? And if so, what do you think ends up happening? I, what I did, I I took a little flyer on the nets at 28 to one, just thinking, Hey, maybe he does end up staying and just, 
for the fact that at the end of the year, at some point, the value certainly would have decreased. I mean, by now it's like 15 to one, 18 to one. I'm not saying I'm thinking they're going to win it, but you know, if Kevin Durant does stay, any team that Kevin Durant is on is pretty lethal to say the least. But what has been your thoughts on this whole debacle with Durant and company? I think it's going to be really hard for the Nets to trade Durant. I mean, I know he came out and said it's either me or Steve Nash and Sean Marks, uh, but the Nets aren't going to trade Durant unless they're getting back what they believe they deserve. And so far, no team has been able to give them an offer that they think is fair. So when you talk about trading a player of Durant's caliber, I mean, it's almost impossible to do with the teams out there that are willing to trade. I, I mean, I don't know what a fair trade would be for him, but they're clearly not getting uh, the offers they want. So I think Durant stays a net this season. Um, it's, I don't know. Does he hold out? Does he not show up? All those things are on the table, but this is going to be a tricky situation going forward. And I don't think uh, we're going to have a resolution anytime soon. I think this could bleed into the regular season. I agree with you, Kate. Hey, let me ask you about the bulls really quick. Cause you know, certainly that's a hot topic here on the Chicago city yeah. cast and a lot of excitement for this team heading into last season. You get injuries all throughout DeRozan almost had an MVP campaign type of season, but then eventually faltered and you knew they were going to get smacked by the bucks in the first round and going into the off season myself, along with, along with a lot of other people, I'm kind of looking at this team going, all right, well, they need another serviceable big guy. I thought a guy like Mitchell Robinson with the Knicks would have been a perfect fit. And then you got to surround them with some shooters because clearly they were slacking in the three point shooting department. Well, they go and get a veteran and Andre Drummond, which is fine. He can play defense, grab some boards, but he's not really going to contribute scoring like that would have been a cooler signing six years ago. And same with Dragic, right? I mean, he's an OK shooter from deep when he's on, but consistently he's not really going to kill you from there at this point in his career. Do the Bulls have enough to win? a playoff series this year, or do you see it being kind of similar to what we saw this past season? Do they have enough to win a playoff series? Sure. But I think that's as far as, as they get, I think possibly past the first round. Otherwise it's just another Chicago basketball, Chicago bulls basketball season that we mm -hmm. saw last year. I mean, I know they paid Zach Levine, but is he really a true number one option? for this team. Like, can he be that? Cause you look at the number one options on a lot of other teams in the East and that's Giannis, that's KD, that's Joel Embiid or James Harden. I don't think he's there yet. And I'm not sure what it's going to take to get him there based on, you know, how long he's been in the league thus far and the role that Chicago has given him having DeMar DeRozan next to him made a difference, but they kind of played one and two in a, um, interchangeable fashion last year. So unless Zach really steps up and can be a true number one for this team, I just don't see them getting past Philly or Milwaukee or possibly even Miami uh, in the East to make a deep playoff push. I, I just don't think the Bulls are there yet. Yeah, you're completely right. I couldn't agree more. I mean, they didn't add the necessary piece, it seems like. And maybe they acquire that throughout the regular season by the NBA trade deadline. But until then, they clearly don't have the weapons to compete with some of those top teams that you listed 
throughout the Eastern Conference. Now, uh, Kate, you were telling me that along with the WNBA in the NBA, you started handicapping that very seriously this past year. Uh, what were some of your, I guess, top angles to approach throughout the NBA? I'm someone personally, both in the NFL and NBA, you know, if I don't like a slate that much, I'll always kind of scavenge out for some props. And I think this past year in the NBA was my best year in terms of betting props. And a lot of times it can be wonky. Don't get me wrong. But were there certain bets you look to make in terms of the NBA, a certain rhythm you found yourself on that you may be looking to replicate this upcoming year? I factored in motivation quite a bit and some of the more intangible factors when handicapping those games. I mean, is this a player who was traded and is now playing their, their old team? Is this team better on the road um, versus even at home? Some of those things, obviously travel spots, um, you know, just how the team chemistry, how players fit together. Some of the more intangible aspects is, is what I relied heavily on versus, you know, looking at numbers and playing models or, or things like that. Uh, I didn't do a whole lot of props last year, though, so I'm going to hopefully tackle that a bit more this year, and maybe you can give me some tips on on how to approach those props. Absolutely. Hey, I mean, look, once you kind of get that sample size established, it's all just looking into the matchups and uh, hoping for a little bit of luck sometimes, <laughs> too. You know, some of those buzzer beaters or uh, a foot on the line or just missing it, all of those things uh, definitely yep. <laughs> come into play. Makes you sweat, that's for sure. Well, hey, Kate, uh, you know, it's, it's been a pleasure talking with you. I look forward to doing it again soon. I know uh, you will be filling the airwaves with plenty of content uh, now with football season around the corner. So why don't you let everybody know where they can get a hold of everything that you'll be producing coming up this football season? Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously give me a follow on Twitter at Kate Constable. I'm also launching a new podcast. First episode will be out tomorrow on the Believe Network. It's called All Bets Are On with Kate Constable. So we'll touch on a bunch of WNBA um, NBA leading up to that season, college basketball, but then obviously with the football going on this fall, definitely touch a bit on that as well. So all bets are on with Kate Constable. Debuts tomorrow. You can check that out. I'll, I'll post it on my, uh, my Twitter account, the link where uh, people can find that first episode. Love it. Great stuff. Appreciate the time, Kate. Yeah, thank you so much. All righty, there you have it. Big shout out to Kate Constable for hopping on the Chicago City Cast. Be sure to give her a follow on the tweets at Kate Constable. Make sure you're catching out all the programs she's getting involved with for these upcoming basketball and football seasons. Always love talking to a fellow Chicago native. She's been in the city for uh, about six or seven years, she was saying. So uh, she's adopted the Chicago sports fandom as a lifestyle. Oh, man, you got to feel for her in terms of that. But, hey, maybe she's looking at good angles to fade him. She gets it by now. But, again, big thanks to her for hopping on. And big thanks to everybody out there for listening to today's episode of the Chicago City Cast. Remember to get in tune with Rush Hour tonight on the Marquee Sports Network. VEASAN.com or the VEASAN app, Fubo TV, Sling TV, the Xfinity app, and of course, iHeartRadio. So wherever you get your podcast, we'll have plenty more coverage of the Field of Dreams game. We'll get a couple of guests on, Josh Applebaum, VEASAN's betting reporter, and we'll also get Thor Nystrom. He's one of the best in the visit covering college football, and he'll give more of his thoughts for bets that he has made in terms of futures for the upcoming college football season tonight on Rush Hour. Alrighty, folks, until tomorrow's episode, take care and best of luck with all your wagers.